Why did the comedian Leslie Hope change his name to Bob Hope? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. Joining us for Lateral this time are a trio the likes of which haven't been seen since The Three Musketeers, or maybe Huey, Dewey and Louie, I'm not sure. We have from <laughs> Up and Atom, Jade Tam Holmes. Hi, great to be here. From the Sci Guys podcast, Corey Will. Hello. And also from the Sci Guys podcast, Luke Cudforth. Hello. Nothing is predictable with the questions in this game. We're going to be throwing our panellists onto the trampolines of logic and seeing which way they bounce. These scripts are getting increasingly bizarre as time goes on, and I'm kind of here for it. (laughs) (laughs) We start uh, with a question from me, as usual, which is... In 1985, it was reported that some flocks of sheep in the town of Blanau-Festiniog in Wales had been quarantined. Without that, millions of pounds worth of infrastructure would have become obsolete. What had they done, and how had they done it? I'll give you that one more time. In 1985, it was reported that some flocks of sheep in Blanau-Festiniog, Wales, had been quarantined. Without that safety measure, millions of pounds of infrastructure would have become obsolete. What had they done, and how had they done it? The question's phrased like the sheep did something. Like, what what have they done? So I'm thinking the sheep ate something? Ate something poisonous or...? You're absolutely right. This is this is on the sheep. This is one hundred percent the sheep's sheep. yeah, doing. Yeah. Like, what, what can a sheep do? I mean, not not much. I got to film a video about sheep herding a while back, and uh, it's not much. So the uh, the the millions of pounds of infrastructure—that's just general like sheep processing equipment, I would imagine. Like like shearing equipment, whatever they use to process mutton, that kind of stuff. This is like a really far out there thing. But I'm thinking, okay, what if the sheep ate something that had like all termites in them or something? And then you know how termites like uh, eat through walls and stuff like that? That's why, where I'm connecting like destroying infrastructure and how much a sheep is actually capable of doing. Can termites survive the gut bacteria of sheep? Maybe they were like termite eggs. Termites can survive a lot, uh, but Britain doesn't have them. <laughs> this is a video I didn't oh. get to film. Um, Britain, Britain had them for 25 years in one house, and the government spent what? 25 years and a lot of money stopping that termite infestation from spreading because we don't have them. They spent an no enormous way. amount, but that was, that was in Devon, not Wales. That's, sorry, that's not on my notes. That's just a video I'm annoyed I didn't find out, out, find out about in time before they, they got rid of the termites and the house is safe now. Damn. So... Is Wales terribly relevant? No, no, not at all. This is just a lovely just story from Planalfestiniog. Yes. Also, okay, I enjoy good. saying the words Planalfestiniog. So, <laughs> understandable. Unfortunately, like there is a lot in there. There is uh, Electric Mountain in near Planalfestiniog. There's a big. Oh yes, with the with the big water, yeah, uh, the dynamo. Yeah, it's reversible brilliant. hydroelectric plant for pump storage. Again, nothing to do with that. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> is that not into Norwich? Uh, it's next to Blanifestiniog. Oh, very cool. Um, so we've gathered that all sheep can do is just eat stuff and kind of be there. That's their whole thing. Okay, That's so true. The, yeah, the causality we've got to figure out is a sheep eats something and that potentially has that has the potential to make millions of pounds of equipment obsolete. It's not about eating things. It's certainly oh, something oh. a sheep did, but they had to quarantine oh. that flock. Did, did a sheep make love? 
to something inappropriate. <laughs> to, to infrastructure, that's... <laughs> can, can a sheep make love? <laughs> oh, Getting philosophical again, Luke. Thus, thus spake the vegan. <laughs> so maybe the sheep got ill. Maybe, I, I feel like the sheep getting ill and being quarantined is too, too straightforward for this show. Well, but there's a clear there's a clear causality as to how a bunch of sheep getting ill could cause a load of equipment to go obsolete. Because if if that entire flock of sheep, say there's a few million pounds worth of equipment for like this giant flock of sheep, um, and if they infected other sheep, then that would mean all the sheep have it, which would make all of their maybe make all their meat um, unusable, maybe make all their wool unusable, um, which would mean that all the equipment that's used to to kill them and take their wool is also then obsolete until they can replace all of the sheep. Yeah, we are. When, when I say millions of pounds of infrastructure would become obsolete, that is the cost for the whole country. Country. Oh, oh. Um, did they pee in the water or something? Um, not this. Not for this one. That's, I mean, <laughs> okay. a lot. Presumably, that's that's kind of what sheep do. Um, is it maybe? Is it maybe something? To, I feel like quarantined is maybe a, a red herring here. Maybe they were just cordoned off. Maybe maybe they were blocking some kind of road or railway or they, something. They had to be prevented from meeting any other flocks of sheep. To stop them from telling them about how they can block roads, obviously. No. <laughs> well, you say that. Mm. Oh, 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 I know, I know. Oh, hang on. Wasn't there a thing about um, sheep... Uh, like learning to roll over cattle grids or something along those lines. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there are millions of pounds worth of cattle grids. And if, if those sheep, if any other sheep saw those sheep rolling over cattle grids, then those cattle grids would be obsolete. All cattle grids would be obsolete. You would have to invent a whole new way of keeping <laughs> sheep in and cars across. Yes, the, the flock of sheep had learned to roll across the cattle grid to get yes. to places they weren't supposed to be. And wow, that's amazing. Incredible. And they would have taught that to other sheep, so they had to be quarantined to stop the knowledge spreading. The meme. <laughs> Which increasingly feels like an argument for being vegan. I've got to be honest, Luke, you are. Yeah. Imagine if we just let sheep talk to each other. They're trying to they evolve, and we're not letting <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was another one. I, I mean, we don't have bonus points here, but 1997, uh, a group of sheep in Hampshire uh, came up with a completely different technique for getting across cattle grids. So other than the rolling, put yourself in the mind of a sheep. How else might they have done it? Stack on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Stepping on each individual one, surely, is the most obvious way. Or getting into a car. <laughs> 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 oh, hold on. 1997? Is that not when Babe came out? Wait, hold on. No, this isn't about films. This is about real life. <laughs> Make friends with a talking pig, and then the pig will help you. Um, uh, you, you said something a moment ago, Cory. Oh. Um, oh, I said uh, stack on top of each other. Did they do that? One Did sheep lays actually... down on the grid, and the others use them as a bridge, yes. Oh my <gasps> gosh. Wow, they're so smart. You're kidding. <laughs> Goodness me. I have to add that this is all reportedly. Like, I, you, we've clearly seen the news article. How much of this is 
farmer's exaggeration and everything. But with, with two separate incidents in the news, something like this has definitely happened, I think, at least once. <laughs> Out of interest, Tom, uh, when you say that one sheep uh, lay down and the others walked on top of it, is that one incredibly altruistic sheep? Or did the, uh, the sheep sort of select the weakest sheep and sort of shove <laughs> it onto the cattle I bet grid? they bullied the yeah. sheep. <laughs> or was it one sheep that got stuck in the cattle grid and all the others were like, there yes. is a bridge here now? <laughs> Good luck, mate. We're off. I feel like we should be letting these sheep go free. They're clearly smart enough to figure mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Let them go. We're stunting their growth. So yes, in 1985, some sheep in Blanifestiniog in Wales were quarantined because they had learned to roll across cattle grids. We go now to one of our guests for a question. We're going to start with Luke this time. What have you got for us? All right, so away from sheep and onto drugs. Um, hydrocodone <laughs> is an opioid. Sorry, it is approximately sorry, sorry. away from sheep and onto drugs is like yeah. the autobiography of a farmer <laughs> who just went down to London and <laughs> it all got too much. Away from sheep onto drugs. Hydrocodone is an opioid that is approximately six times stronger than another common opioid. Who knows their opioids? What is the more common name for hydrocodone? I'm going to guess oh. codeine. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, this, this, this sounds like I'm in a police interrogation, but I don't know much about opioids, Your Honour. Okay. Me either. Sure you don't. <laughs> I, okay, I think I might be way off, but I know there's a difference between opioids and opiates. And are opioids not the ones that are just chemically similar in terms of shape? Well, a very interesting satellite fact that's nothing to do with the question. <laughs> As in, that's not that is that's not going to get you anywhere. That line of questioning will get you nowhere. Sorry, that meant that sounded really rude. Um, that wasn't meant. To say. I was so shocked and insulted for a moment. Sorry, sorry. I just, like, I'm just. I'm pushing you back on the right path <laughs> with a helpful scoop of rudeness there. My apologies. Now, opioids are definitely... I, I, I've heard the phrase opioid epidemic about the US's problem mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. for a, a long time. So I think the... Are they a much wider class than I thought? Because I thought opioids were just the painkillers that people easily get addicted to, but I'm not sure that's right now. Okay, this is... I'm just throwing this out. It might have something to do with poppy seeds. Are poppy seeds not? Um, are they not r- related? Yeah, if you if you eat enough poppy seeds, you do test positive on a drug test for opioids. Sounds like an excuse. <laughs> One you're very used to using, Luke. I'm sure. You're on um, again. <laughs> I thought you didn't know much about o- opioids, Tom. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but Trace uh, Trace Dominguez did an entire guest video for my channel on this, and he ate a load of poppy seed bagels and poppy seeds and took a test and tested positive. Uh, and mm. as a control, also That's tested negative. Anyway. Be- yeah, also tested negative beforehand. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. yeah, that's hydros, hydros, hydros water. Codone is, I don't know. I'm looking at the science people here because it ain't me. I don't think either of us are chemists, so <laughs> not a clue. No, I scored the worst in organic chemistry in my whole degree, actually. Luke, could you please rephrase this as a physics question? Uh, <laughs> um, I will, I'll give you a, a little nudge here, which is that um, 
you're going down the wrong route in terms of um, sort of wondering about your knowledge about um, about different types of drugs. What you want to go down the try going down the route of etymology. Hydro code. Hydro, so water code. Water. Uh, it's annoying that it's six times stronger because I'm tempted to just answer with with hydro code six instead of hydro code <laughs> one, but that doesn't doesn't work this way round. Um, Do you know any other painkillers? Any other opiate painkillers? Is morphine uh, um, opiate opioid? Uh, I think ibuprofen might be. I'm no, ibuprofen's an anti-inflammatory. Okay. Yeah, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So codeine is the one that is. And cocodamol, I know as well, but I think that might just be a combination of things. You're going down the right path there, Tom. Okay. I will say that this is a this is a tough one. Um, the answer I'd actually never heard. Well, I've heard I've only ever heard the, um, the the actual name for this drug in American TV shows. I've never heard it because uh, I've never had a prescription for this thing. Um, but I've heard it said in in American TV shows. If that helps. Oh, so American Americans tend to only use brand names, so they'll say Tylenol and and whatnot instead of ibuprofen or paracetamol. So maybe we're looking for a brand name of of the drug, right? Yes, um, but the brand name is also derivable um, from the information I've given you to a certain Hy- extent. Hydrocodone, six times stronger. Okay, so it's got to have either hex or hexa or something like that in it or what other what other abbreviations for six is there that's a great question <laughs> you can have sex surely um, <laughs> <laughs> i see i didn't want to say that but but yeah that's 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 also a valid abbreviation but Tom, you're going down a fantastic route with the idea of alternative ways to represent the number six a uh, Roman numeral? Oh my god, it's Vicodin. Yes! Oh, Could you explain yeah. why, Tom? Why? How did because, you get there? Because Roman numerals for six are V-I. Brilliant. And it's V-I coded, Vicodin. Oh my. Oh, five oh, that, times I'm, I'm codeine. angry about that question. <laughs> yeah, That's so it's, good. It's brilliant. That's incredible. Oh. That's great lateral thinking right there. Jade's that just is, sitting yeah. back in a chair, equally frustrated at that. That's, oh. So that is correct. Basically, um, Vicodin is, is six times stronger than codeine. So the brand name Vicodin is derived from six times stronger than codeine. The next question is from me. Here we go. At 13.557 seconds, a Danish woman holds a particular Guinness World Record for running the 100 metres. She is nearly half a second quicker than the male holder for the same record. What's the record? I'll say that again. At 13.557 seconds, a Danish woman holds a particular Guinness World Record for running a 100 metre race. She is nearly half a second quicker than the male holder for the same record. What is that record? I think that her being a woman and being faster than the man is going to be relevant because usually you'd expect to see men be quicker in these kinds of races. So maybe, and here, here, I'm just gonna be sexist here. Maybe it's something that women are perhaps more used to to doing. This is from 2015. It is 100% traditional stereotype we're running on here. Was she pushing a pram? Oh, uh, see, the, see, the trouble is that what we've set up with this question, 
is a series of stereotypes. Uh, okay, so we need some stereotypes of women, anyone? Let's see. Maybe it's got something to do with... Okay, so when we think of differences between men and women in culture and stereotypes and whatnot, there's, there's different areas, right? So it could be pushing a pram. It could be wearing different clothes. It could be... Cooking. Cooking. Like yeah. something, frying, frying an omelette or something. Like an egg and spoon race whilst wearing a skirt and I carrying was a baby. Maybe an egg and spoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Has it got to do with clothing? Yeah, it absolutely has. You, you're going to ace this question. You, you're so nearly there. It's, so it's 13.557 seconds. It doesn't, I don't think it needs to be that precise, but we're, bear in mind 100 meters for you know, fastest people in the world, you're talking nine or 10. If I'm right, then this is insane. If I, if I can give it a guess, did she do it in high heels? High heels. Yes. Of course. Absolutely oh, right. Yes. Wow. That is incredible. Brilliant. Goodness me. Wow, that was so fast. That's actually interesting that the woman still did it better because um, I would have thought that that wouldn't have had that big an impact, you know. We've got to get some fast speed. drag queens on this. <laughs> no, it's for true. a drag race Tom Scott's drag race <laughs> <laughs> now that is a channel I would watch <laughs> oh yeah uh, yeah this is uh, Maiken Sischlau from Denmark uh, 13.55 seconds in 2015 uh, Andre Ortol from Germany set the best male time 14.02 seconds in 2019 I feel like there's still a lot of improvement to be had there. It's just there aren't many people doing the training for it. Yeah, so these were people that trained specifically for this race. They weren't like runners that then just put on high heels. I actually don't know. It might be a, it might be a little bit of both here. I feel like this is going to be a runner. I think it would make a difference because if you just took a bunch of runners and put them in high heels and they weren't used to it, like obviously the women would be better. But if they actually trained for it and the men got used to wearing high heels, you know. That's got to hurt, though, surely. Depend- I assume that there, there are all sorts of rules on how high the heels have to be. But you're basically constantly running downhill, I guess? You're going to yeah. have to have very strong calves and ankles. You're going to have strong It's actually not as hard as what as like it maybe looks. It's kind of like running on your toes, right? It's just you don't want to put your heel down too much because you're going to break that. You can, put, you can put the heel down. Like, if they were strong heels, I think running on your toes would, would kind of suck. Hmm. I just feel like it's incredibly fast, right? That's incredibly fast. fast. I couldn't run 100 meters in any shoes in 100 seconds. <laughs> in 100 seconds, sorry. In <laughs> seconds, sorry. I, could run, I think I could just about make it in 100 seconds, even in high heels, actually. I can't let me say that. <laughs> I mean, we've just got a bet there, Luke. That's... Okay, I, I'll happily take those odds. <laughs> So uh, I have just had a note through from our producer with pictures here, and this is on a full running track wearing what looked like sort of regular professional office high heels. We're not talking like teetering stilettos here, but there's a there's a decent heel on them. Um, I have no idea how difficult that is to walk or run in. I've never tried it, but I would not like to. I will say that running in high heels, I think, is no more silly than hurdles. You know, <laughs> we have sports and then we add... We add additional <laughs> encumbrance to those sports. And high heels is just the same as hurdles to me, right? <laughs> what about 100 metres over hurdles in high heels? Wow. That's an Ooh. Olympic sport I want to watch. Yes. You know they have breakdancing in the, in the Olympic sports now, so I don't feel like that's too far off. 
Well, if we start training, we can all get gold in this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what a little breakdance team in high heels. That's the four oh, of us. Oh, yeah. It is a very, it is a very odd restriction. You're, you're right. Now you mention it, that hurdles is a really strange event. Now you mention it. <laughs> it's odd, right? It's weird. It's weird that we do that. It's fine. We'll have a, we'll have a full pentathlon in high heels, and that's <laughs> that's what comes of this podcast. They are actually currently planning on changing the pentathlon events. Uh, they're going to remove horse riding from it, and they're currently testing events for what the replacement is, because uh. logistically it's extremely difficult, and it means that pentathlon is only open to people who can afford to learn to ride a horse, and for both that reason and animal rights and logistics, they're on the verge of changing it. They're thinking of replacing it with, like, the obstacle course from Ninja Warrior. <laughs> oh, my lord. <laughs> my brain went straight to using the Boston Dynamics robots in place of horses. I feel like that oh would be far more interesting gosh. to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just like, they're just like piggybacking people around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the problems they have with all the horse riding events at the Olympics, is that the horses are meant to all be the same. So, like, they need to do a procurement process years in advance to find 20 identically performing horses and pair them with riders. Like, yeah, there's a reason they're doing Ninja Warrior courses instead. The fact that it's harder to find horses than it is to find Olympic athletes is fantastic. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. The world record for running 100 metres in high heels is currently half a second faster for a woman than a man. But I imagine that at some point, someone in, the, someone in this podcast is going to try and challenge that. <laughs> I know a couple of drag queens. We can set them on it. Next question. We are going to go to Curry for this one. Curry, what have you got for us? At Coors Field Baseball Stadium, most of the seats are dark green. However, the seats in the 20th row of the upper deck are purple. What does this indicate? And I'll give it to you again. At Coors Field Baseball Stadium, most of the seats are dark green. However, the seats in the 20th row of the upper deck are purple. What does this indicate? Could you tell me the name of the stadium? Coors Field. Coors Field. So, uh, sorry, this is my accent coming through. Coors Field. I'm just wondering <laughs> if this has anything to do with Coors, like Coors Light, the beer. Uh, I, think, I think so, yeah. I think they've owned the stadium. That's how it works in the US, right? So there's something relating to beer there. Um, or God, like, it's, it's an American sports <laughs> question and a beer question. I am in trouble here. Is, there, is it something to do with like, does it look almost like the dividing line between like beer and head? <laughs> I love that. I love that. But no, not, not at all. Does the purple have something to do with royalty? Because I know that purple used to represent royalty. It's not necessarily about the colors. So it could be it could be any color. It doesn't need to be dark green or purple. It could be literally any color. The important part is that the colors are different. But was it baseball? Was that the sport? Yeah, it is it is baseball. Mhm. Mm I'm thinking something to do with um like the height of the ball. Mm. Oh. I'm thinking maybe the height of the stadium, like you actually can't get the ball out. You can't get a home run. So if it lands above that line, that's a home run. Oh, yeah, because I was going to try and be an expert on baseball. I've never seen baseball. <laughs> it's, like it's like cricket, but worse. Sorry, not um, home run, like an out of the park. Is that a different that's, thing? No, it's a home run. Home, home yeah. run is when it goes out of the park and you cannot, 
No, how, I think... No, I thought, no, a home run is just when you complete the diamonds. <laughs> okay, so an out of the park. It's an out of the park if it's above that line. Yeah, sorry, you can you can have an inside the park home run. I've definitely heard that phrase. Oh, okay. So a, ho- a home run is just when you complete the diamond. And then I guess if you hit it out of the park, that's just like an automatic home run. Yes, it is. Yes, yep. yes. So it's that's not- my theory is... The, this stadium is in some way built to stop the ball leaving if you get an out of the park because it can damage property and stuff like that. Um, so they've sort of put a line that means if you get it above this thing, if it lands above this thing, almost like in cricket, where you get it out of the boundary, um, then that is an out of the park equivalent. I presume at some point people come back to their cars in the parking lot afterwards and just yeah. there's a dent and a baseball <laughs> sat there. It's like, oh... Well, yeah, that's, does, does my insurance pay out? No, of course well, not. Well, yeah, there were loads of problems in cricket where they hit the ball out of the stadium and then it smashed stuff. And then I think the cricket ground became liable for that. So they tried, they installed nets um, to try and stop it happening. So you started off on the right track and then you started talking about baseball, which I loved, but <laughs> isn't necessarily super relevant. Okay. To this question about oh, baseball. To baseball. So it's not really a baseball question. It's a stadium question. Exactly. But it's still about the limitations of of stadiums. No, not at all. So you started off talking about the height of the line, um, and it's not got anything to do with hitting baseballs out. I mean, American stadiums get replaced fairly often, like in the big leagues. Um, Like they'll just build a new one because the old one's got a bit old and then get some tax money for it. So is this like the height of the old stadium that used to be there? And it's like a ceremonial line that goes round? That means, yeah, you'd have knocked out the park in the old stadium, but these days, (laughs) no, no, you've just been someone in the upper decks. So I have a a super mundane uh, suggestion. Is it just like, so the hot dog people know what their (laughs) turf is? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh man there's just a there's just a vicious gang of upper deck hot dog sellers that do not want people muscling on their territory i love that they're in a war they're in a war with each other yeah and one of them's got the high ground oh god i wish that was the answer i wish that was the answer <laughs> one of them's just got slingshots with hot dogs just just <laughs> <laughs> So to sort of direct you a little bit more, it is very specific to this one stadium in that if it was a stadium anywhere else in the country, this line wouldn't be as important. Because uh, I imagine this was a line that went all the way round, but maybe it's one of those stadiums that's bigger on one side. And like, this is a line that that crosses. Like it's the equator. No, this is US, right? It is the US, yeah. So this is like the state line happens to go through here. And once you're on the other side of that line, you're under like different drinking laws or something like that. Like this stadium's in California, except for this bit, which is in Oregon. So you got to stop drinking at 10 p.m. I don't so know. You, if- you were on the right track with it being particular to that state. And earlier when you were talking about the height, you were on the right track as well. And then I went completely the wrong way. Okay. Then you just then you just went off. <laughs> is it that in this particular state, it is illegal to drink at altitude, and that altitude <laughs> just happens to be roughly the height of the of the twentieth row in the top deck? Luke, you are so close, but you're off in your framing. If that helps, how could that be? Is it like you're too high up, so you can't drink because it's dangerous in some way? It's got nothing to do with drinking, but you're so you're oh. so incredibly close. Oh. I feel like if I were to tell you, do you know what state this is in? No. Hang on, is this Colorado? 
It is definitely Colorado, yes. This is... Mm. <laughs> this is... You are one mile above sea level, isn't it? That is it. Yes, exactly. That line <gasps> denotes being one mile above sea level because Denver... Is the mile high city. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Denver is, yeah. Denver is one... Is almost one mile above sea level in a lot of places. And that's going to be the point where you are exactly one mile up, above the arbitrary marker on the geoid that is that is sea level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the Colorado Rockies used to share the mile high stadium with the Denver Broncos, the NFL team. And then they moved to Coors Field, but they've got that line to show where you are when you're sort of a mile above sea level. The next question's from me. Here we go. A gang robbed a van full of different bottles of spirits that were destined for use in pubs. Why did they find it very difficult to sell on the illicit goods without raising suspicions? I'll give you that again. A gang robbed a van of different bottles of spirits that were destined for use in pubs. Why did they find it very difficult to sell on the illicit goods without raising suspicions? So my mind hops immediately to the fact that when I worked in some bars and pubs, the bottles of spirits that they had were giant sometimes, like bigger than you could buy in a shop. So maybe it's got to do with the specifics of spirits that are sold to bars. My mind jumped to it as a play on words. It's actually uh, bottles of ghosts. And- <laughs> my mind said that as well. But then, but then when they were like, oh, to, to, solve to, bu- to sell to bars, I was like, I don't think bars are going to buy ghosts. Haunted man. bars. It's a tourist attraction. <laughs> I now regret having that co- that clarification in the question because, frankly, we got a whole riff on bottled up spirits being sold to make sure your pub is haunted here. Like <laughs> that's a that's a great plot for a sitcom. Yeah, Jade. Haunted pubs are actually really big in the UK. This is another sort of UK focused yeah, question. Yeah. yeah. So much I don't know. <laughs> it's quite a xenophobic podcast, this, isn't it? You just kind of. <laughs> You just kind of go online these days, you know, you just you just go to, to what's the opposite of Ghostbusters? <laughs> Ghost supplies. And they just kind of, kind of just drop shit you a few bottles now, you uncork them, you get, you get a couple of spirits in the bathroom, you know, one, one behind the bar. Yeah. Uh, and all the cheap bars have got ghouls, just not the same, doesn't look the same, you know? Um. Weatherspoons just have identical ghosts behind every bar that just keep banging on about how Brexit's a good thing. It's just... <laughs> that, that, has, that officially crossed the two British thresholds. Sorry about yeah. that. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know why I need to clarify this, but we are talking about alcohol here. Thank you for the clarification. So tell us more about your bar experience, Corey. I feel like you hold the keys here. Yeah, so, I mean, Luke has worked in a bar as well, so he's got a lot of experience too. (laughs) As a ghost, though, as a ghost. (laughs) I feel like I can't can't let that go, Corey. I have to explain that. (laughs) Corey is referencing the fact that I once did a YouTube sponsorship that required me to work in a bar, and so I technically worked in a bar for one day. Um, You actually worked, like got a job in the bar? Uh, I worked, I delivered drinks and food and took orders, um, but I actually was so bad at pulling pints that I bought all of the pints that I poured because I felt so bad, so I bought them for them. Did did the management and patrons know you were doing this? Uh, The manager did, yeah. 
Wait, the patrons didn't? The patrons were just like, this is this the is some guy? The patrons didn't until I told them, because I was doing everything wrong, so I told them. <laughs> he was just, the patrons were like, why does this guy suck so much? And then you like had to tell them. Exactly. So yeah, Corey, you're right. I have just as much experience as you, and so we're going to get this, <laughs> this question together. Yeah, I mean, so working in bars, I guess, the only specific thing I can think of is the size of the spirit bottles. They have bigger spirit bottles and bars. And I feel like there must be a limit on the ones that you're allowed to sell. <gasps> oh my gosh, bars. If you want to get stock for a bar, you can only, you, you can buy it from these big sort of stock depots that you can only get into if you have a business that has a license to sell alcohol. So maybe it's related to that. In this case, they were trying to fence them illegally. So that's, okay. that's less of an issue. Is uh, it that um, the spirit bottles that they use at bars have that little weird attachment on it that like does the 25 silliliter um, deposit? And that's a specific attachment and nobody who doesn't already own a bar will have that attachment so they don't want to buy your alcohol. You can get those at home. Yeah, you can spot the poster as it works <laughs> in a bar because those do not come with the bottle. No, I know, but you have to attach them, I mean. You'd have to attach it and if you don't have it, you don't want to buy the alcohol. Optics, they're called. Mm-hmm. You can get them at home. I know because my grandparents were alcoholics. No, I shouldn't put that in. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No, that's brilliant. <laughs> we're learning a lot about each other here. Is it something to do with the brand of the alcohol? Was it a very like rare brand? This would actually be the other way around. This would only apply to the really common kind of uh, what are they called? House house spirits. Like the the fancy ones probably wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, so then, like, there's, like, Red Star Vodka or something that I only ever see in bars and you can't buy anywhere else. Is uh, you, it- you can get, like, there's there's certain brands like that, but in this case, these are, these these are cheap supermarket brands. These are the kind of things where if someone, if someone pulls up in a van and goes, these are falling off the back of the lorry, uh, yeah, no, entirely genuine, there might be some reason to be sceptical of them. Oh. Fine for bars, bit confusing for people. So we've mentioned size and brand, but it, is there concentration involved? Like the uh, concentration. It's not of like alcohol. the post mix syrup. They don't. They don't okay. put. It, they don't put it up to the optic, and like it drops out one <laughs> drop of pure flavored alcohol in a load of water. That would be Coke freestyle machines just with booze. Actually, that's yeah. a really good. Wow. Sorry. That saves on shipping that, costs. I mean, more more like that's that's a thing you'd see built in a bar. Really, you'd see a Coke freestyle machine mm. that someone's also put a booze thing in. Was it that they had a hard time selling it to bars or to people? To people. Bars, bars would have been fine with this. These would have fit right in in the bar, but they wouldn't have at home. Maybe it's the container that they were in. You've actually already touched on why with the optics. There's something that bars do that you don't know. Oh my gosh, I just realised. Because they go into the optics, the labels are the other way around so that they're the right side up when you've got them in the optics. So Absolutely yes. right. Uh, I was uh, hoping I was hoping the one person who has properly worked in a bar brilliant. would uh, would remember that at some point. Yes. Spot on. The labels uh, were upside down. So if you try to go into, you know, your local dodgy wherever you sell stuff, I don't know, I'm not a criminal. Uh, and uh, would you, would you like to buy some of these? They're going to go, "Oh, they're, they're fake." You got the labels on upside down, and that is that is how the story goes. Brilliant. The bottles of spirits used in pubs, at least for the cheap brands, generally have the label upside down. Our last guest question comes from Jade. Jade, over to you. Okay, the question is: 
If it rises by a few cents, it can get out of control within milliseconds. If it reaches a dollar, it's a disaster. What is it? I'll give you it again. If it rises by a few cents, it can get out of control within milliseconds. If it reaches a dollar, it's a disaster. What is it? So my first thought was some kind of hyper-fast stock trading thing. Hmm. That's like that that flash crash where some computer tripped a thing and, and just sort of all the stock market suddenly crashed. But this is going up, not down. Reaches a dollar. So the cost of something being a dollar, hmm, because that's already more than, say, petrol. So, oh, what could it be? It could be like a like a transaction fee type of thing, um, or or something that's meant to be maybe. Yeah, it's meant to be pegged to a dollar or something like that. Maybe it's related. Maybe okay. So it must be proportionally related to something else because if something reaches, say, a dollar, um, a dollar isn't very much, but a dollar per <gasps> x amount of something would be a lot. Right? It's the euro a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Luke. Date this podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. It's the euro a few months ago. It's Can the euro us- a few years ago. Thank you. We'll just, we'll just edit the right bit in at whichever moment. If you, if you can give us decades and centuries and millennia, it's just the do euro. Make- that one time the euro did that thing. <laughs> <laughs> the minute you uh, said rises by a few i was thinking is this sea level or something like that but it's cents and dollars i can't think of anything other than currency that's in cents and dollars can it go above a dollar is that possible i mean apparently but then it's a disaster well but is it reaches a dollar it's a disaster can it go above a dollar mm. it has reached a dollar on a number of occasions in different parts of the world out of control within milliseconds. So I, for a minute, I was thinking like the expected return on a lottery or something like that. So, um, but that's not a disaster. That's that's great for the lottery and the winner. Like if there, there's a few times in history when lotteries have had positive expected value. So you could like if you buy a ticket, statistically you're likely to win more than that ticket cost. Mm. But it's it's really rare, and the only people who can properly exploit that are already rich. So. That's not a disaster, though. Like, if that goes over a dollar, that's great for the punters, and it's great for the lottery, because they're still making money. I think... I think it's probably... I think I might have it. It's entirely unrelated (laughs) to what you were just saying, Tom. Okay. That's fine. You know what? I'm going to claim that some word in that monologue about lotteries sparked an idea in your head. Sorry, go for it. Uh, Maybe it's got to do with the cost of production of money, right? Because if if the cost of producing a dollar goes over a dollar, then that's completely out of control. And in some countries that must have happened. Like the the penny right now in the US costs more than a penny to make. Is it anything along those lines, maybe? Yes, they they changed the makeup of the UK one, didn't they, as well, to to make sure that wasn't possible. But I don't see that getting out of control within milliseconds. I think I'm going to give you guys a hint. Um, it's going to completely turn everything upside down. It has nothing to do with money. <sighs> oh, right. Okay. So what else gets measured in cents and dollars? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying dollars or doll hairs? Which one of those two? <laughs> <Is> it- <laughs> dollars. D-O-L-L-A-R-S. Dollars. Good so, question, though. <laughs> what else can get measured in cents? Like pitch of music can get measured in cents? Um, but not in dollars. Not in dollars. That goes into tones and semitones. 
So... <sighs> is it colloquial then, maybe? No. Using cents and dollars, no? Hmm. If it goes up by a few cents... I kind of feel like this one's the kind of thing that you, if you don't know it, I don't know how you would come to know it. <laughs> <laughs> out, it's out of control within milliseconds, which implies to me that it's either some, like, computer thing... Or it's some complicated physics thing. Like this is a chain reaction or something like that. That if it goes, like, if it starts spiking a little, it... Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think nuclear reactions are measured in cents. Something like with the LHC, like the LHC. Does this have to do with nuclear physics? Yes. No, the, L, the Large Hadron Collider. Um, not exactly the Large Hadron Collider. Is this to do with nuclear meltdowns? Yes. Because there's been some in some different countries and... Yes, that's it, that's it exactly. And um, dollars and cents are the units of reactivity. Oh. Mm. Oh. I definitely knew that then. I definitely knew that at some point in my life. <laughs> Which is like, why would they name units of reactivity dollars and cents? That just seems like they're trying to be confusing. Right. That's... For this podcast, exactly. This is that's the only reason someone thought. You know what? A podcast a few years from now is going to need this. <laughs> what What is reactivity? Is that how much the ch how much the reactor is like going? I all I remember is that like you put control rods in to dampen the reaction, and you put. So is it how much that reaction is growing, or how much that reaction is is self sustaining? I I don't know. A state called prompt criticality is reached if the reactivity level reaches $1, which means that rate at which fission occurs increases exponentially, releasing more prompt neutrons, which trigger more reactions, and so on. So $1 is runaway chain reaction. Right. And zero is everything steady. Who named that dollar? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> they should not have been in Probably charge. Probably an American. <laughs> yeah, I feel like American scientists specifically enjoy being needlessly confusing. And patriotic. I, I've just had a note through to say that his name is Lewis Slotter, and he is a very famous physicist. Physicists do like to use the same names and, and like symbols to, to rename various things. It's very annoying when you're doing a physics degree. Just another reason not to do a physics degree. <laughs> no education. <laughs> Reactivity is measured in dollars and cents. Zero cents is stable and... When you get to one dollar, that's a, just a crazy reaction and you want to get out of there. So one last order of business. At the very start of the show, I asked the audience why Leslie Hope, the comedian, changed his name to the much more famous Bob Hope. Just before I give him the answer, any ideas from the panel? Bob Hope's much more famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it that Leslie Hope was already famous? Is this like a Screen Actors Guild uh, kind of yeah. situation where you can only have one name? It's very much about the name. And I don't think any comedian would want the name Leslie Hope. Oh, was there a famous sort of murderer or something at the time called Leslie Hope, like a serial killer? It's, it's about the name itself. Oh. Les Hope. Leslie Hope. Oh, Les Hope. It, like, uh, ah. it's, it shortens to Les Hope. Which means ah. it would show up in the phone book and in directories as... Hopeless. 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 Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Oh, he changed it. Amazing. Or, or at least so he says. Uh, obviously, it's an anecdote from a comedian, so how much of that is true? 
I will leave <laughs> to the uh, the viewer's discretion. That is our show for today. Thank you very, very much. Let's start with Luke. Tell us what you've got going on. Where can people find you? Yes, I host a podcast called Side Guys with Corey as well. Um, and I've also got my first feature film out called The Drowning of Arthur Braxton. You can find me at Luke Cutforth everywhere. Corey. You can find me at not Corey everywhere. And also, as Luke said, over on Side Guys at Side Guys Pod everywhere. And Jade. I run a YouTube channel called Up and Adam, and you can find me on YouTube at Up and Adam. And if you want to know more about this show, you can go to lateralcast.com. We are lateralcast basically everywhere, and you can catch video highlights at youtube.com slash lateralcast. Thank you very much to Jade Tan Holmes. Thank you, Tom. To Curry Will. Thank you, Tom. To Luke Cutforth. Thank you very much, Tom. I... I don't know. What, I got a I got a round of thanks instead of goodbyes there, and I'm I, I'm, I'm very I'm very grateful. Uh, and we, you know what? We'll leave them in. I will take the praise. My name's Tom Scott. This has been lateral. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>